Well, it's been a very tumultuous journey, I have to say, because uh, it's, it's cost me uh, a lot financially, um, emotionally, and uh, um, materially, in every sense, actually. I've had some uh, major, major calamities on the way. Thinking back about it, you know, I see it as a positive. It's actually brought me here. I'm still smiling, still alive. Lovely to meet you, Ian. To you know, share energy and share share the love, I suppose, in, in my journey. My business partner, the gentleman that came to rescue me, his name was Salim Nawaz. He's now my business partner. One thing he said to me, I think, because he knew exactly what was going with me, he said to me, every morning that you wake up, just be happy that you know you can breathe fresh air into your lungs and you're still alive. And he said, if you can just appreciate that. That everything everything else will sort itself out. So I think that was that was probably the most powerful statements that uh, gave me, let's say, confidence to know that uh, whatever is happening is is just something that momentary. Although it was a long moment for about 50, last 15 years, it's, it's been a it was a tough journey. But I suppose what doesn't uh, kills you only makes you stronger. And today's guest is Lucky Singh, the property fixer. He's a social media influencer and a guru in solving eviction and property repossession. Hi Lucky, thanks so much for calling us today. Um, where, are you, where are you calling from? I'm actually sitting in the heart of uh, uh, London in Mayfair, uh, in our uh, offices in the, in the boardroom, believe it or not. Brilliant. Now, can you tell us something that you both love? And that you're good at something that drips out of you—a passion. Uh, well, I'm known for my dance moves and uh, doing uh, short videos on uh, the internet, uh, just showing people where I am, where I'm going. So I'm quite well known uh, for doing that. I sort of enjoy sort of uh, posting things and being a content provider. Just for fun, I think, just random things. Yeah, yeah, first-hand experiences, quite good. Okay, well, thank you. Now, I've got a bit more on your background in a moment, but to get straight to the inspiration, could you tell us who is your biggest inspiration and why? Um, I suppose my big, biggest inspiration is my dad. Uh, you, I haven't really thought about the question because we haven't prepped anything really. So, yeah, thinking about it, he comes to mind first. Uh, even though I don't think I get him that well with my dad, uh, I, I didn't think I would pick him. Um, but I would say that he is my inspiration because uh, thinking about it, I'm probably like uh, a um, pretty much a similar profile to him in terms of my my prof and how I act, uh, how I communicate. Um, I, he's a little bit more conservative, a bit more uh, uh, quiet, uh, where I'm probably a bit more sort of a, a chatterbox, actually, and a little bit loud, I'd say, compared to my dad. And I think he is actually, uh, uh, as you call it, um, a very hard, hard-working gentleman. And I think he's always gone out to set a very good example to his kids to be the best they can. I think, and uh, I can tell you a little story actually. Wh- why I think uh, he has uh, got a got a heart of gold. So as a kid, um, I never really knew my dad that well because he used to be doing long hours, just working in a factory and 
working post in the post office, you know, night shift. So, and then when he did actually come out from his night shifts, he would go out and actually be working in a charity all day. So we hardly ever sort of saw him actually. He was, uh, in some ways, he wasn't an absent father, but in some ways he was. Um, so I, I never really sort of knew what he would be like until one day when we went out to uh, parents' evening, first parents' evening ever, because I lived in India as a child in boarding school for about five or six years. And when we came back here, I was about eight. And I remember on the first, you know, the meeting with the, one of the teachers, I think it was an English teacher or something like that. She said, oh, uh, what, you know, a uh, teacher saying, uh, so how did, how's your you know, son progressing at home? Does he do his homework? And my, and I was expecting my dad to, I didn't expect his English to be that good because he's actually come from India. And the second thing is, uh, I didn't expect him to be so complimentary. And he said something like, Oh yeah, he's so hardworking. He's, you know, he's very disciplined. Uh, he's a very positive attitude, his studies. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, he does all he can to actually just make sure, put the effort in actually to, do the do the best he can to actually improve himself as well in, in his English studies. Uh, so I think, um, so for a parent to say that, I mean, I still remember it uh, about their child, and for me to remember it, obviously, uh, there's a lot of respect there, and so I'm quite blessed actually that my parents were so uh, giving and so positive in my life. And I'm not sure how many people actually get really get that much of uh, love and support. Uh, in that way, actually, and I, and I, I think I, I'm beginning to recognise it in later years because uh, you don't always recognise things because you you can easily start looking at things which aren't right as opposed to the things that uh, are good. Yeah. 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 Thanks for that. Uh, and, and do you mind what what was his first name? Just then we can put a name to the inspiration. Teja. T e j a. Teja. Okay. Thanks, Teja. Right. A tiny bit more on uh, your background. So. Uh, you started uh, doing business studies at university, uh, University of London, business and finance. And then after that, you moved in to some sales and marketing. And along the way, you were the head of IT at Deloitte, quite a big international firm. And then in more recent years, you've moved into property, both as an investor yourself, but particularly helping people who are struggling with their finances and at risk of repossession uh, and um, potentially going to get evicted. So could you tell us some of the things that have inspired you along that journey? Well, it's been a very tumultuous journey, I have to say, because uh, it's, it's uh, cost me uh, a lot financially, um, emotionally and uh, um, materially. Uh, in every sense, actually, I've had some uh, major, major uh, calamities on the way. So um, while I was working, I've been working corporate life for 20 years, I decided that I don't really want to be in corporate life for too long uh, after being doing 20 years of IT project management and uh, internet management, branding sort of work for large corporations. I thought uh, I'd rather be in control of my own destiny at some stage, so I slowly transitioned into buying properties. And then I ended up uh, building up quite a large portfolio of uh, 15 million plus. But then I ended up uh, losing it as well at the last crash. And uh, 
So my journey's not necessarily been the the sort of let's just say um, picture perfect. Um, I've had to take the hits very hard because I haven't. I wasn't really from a business background. My background is uh, for IT project management, marketing project management for large corporations. And um, but then I jumped into property, did it for about three or four years on the side. Then I jumped into it full time for two or three years, and um, it didn't quite work out because the crash hit. And uh, although I think I did all the right things to keep myself afloat, uh, I didn't really know enough how to handle difficult situations because even though I wasn't insolvent. Uh, I was made bankrupt uh, incorrectly by uh, the uh, trustees of bankruptcy because they were in cahoots with the person that made me bankrupt. Um, but thinking back about it, uh, you know, I see it as a positive. It's actually brought me here. I'm still smiling, still alive. Uh, lovely to meet you, Ian. Um, to you know, share energy and share share the love, I suppose, in, in my journey. Um, so. I think whatever's happened, uh, even though it's probably the most stressful time in my life because I was made bankrupt and then lost my sort of credit, lost my house, and also went through quite a tumultuous divorce over about four or five years. Um, but I still, uh, still got my relationships with my children. So we still got that connection. Still got my relationship with my parents. Still got my relationship with my brother. And I think the true colors of uh, the people that you uh, least expect to come up and uh, shine for you when you're in trouble uh, also came up. So I think realize that you can only count only one or two people on your hand who are going to be really, really, really they're going to be there for you uh, when you are in an, ex- you know, in very difficult, almost impossible situations in life. Wow, wow, that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing such a personal thing. So, yeah, that, that power of, of that, you know, a handful of people that are so, you know, so supportive in, in such a thing, I'm guessing is one of the big things that got you through. Is there any one thing you can think of um, other than that that really pulled you through your lowest points? I think... Um... I think, I think what my business partner, the gentleman that came to rescue me, uh, his name was Salim Nawaz, he's now my business partner. Uh, one thing he said to me, uh, I think because he knew exactly what was going with me, he said to me, um, every morning that you wake up, uh, just be happy that, you know, you can breathe fresh air into your lungs and you're still alive. And he said, if you can just appreciate that, he said, everything, everything else will sort itself out. So I think that was, that was probably the most powerful statements that, uh, gave me, uh, let's say confidence to know that, uh, whatever's happening is, is just something that momentary, although it was a long moment for about 15, last 15 years. It's, it's, it's been a, it was a tough journey. Uh, but I suppose what doesn't uh, uh, kills you only makes you stronger. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for that. So, did I'm guessing that thing that happened help play a part in you moving towards 
you know, I think you help others who are, are in a financial difficulty with their property and repossession and things like that. Well, to be honest, I I, I, had, I learned a lot of lessons from this uh, this guy that came and rescued me. He just came out of the blue. And I think because he realized that I had, like, no bad intention, I was like a completely straight guy, <laughs> literally caught, caught uh, in the crossfire with whatever's going on. And, uh, I think he was a person, he's a person of the heart. So you don't get anybody like that uh, coming up in your life. And, uh, so I think I learned from him, you know, really how to survive this. I don't think I could have done it without his guidance and support. So I think a lot of credit goes to him in terms of then making me realize certain values and identity which actually will give you more uh, longevity in life rather than just in business. And I suppose the main fundamentals on that point is that um, when one goes out in business, it's all about me, 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 what can I get? And uh, one of the key learnings was obviously as a, as a property investor, you want to make money, you want to buy properties cheap. Uh, so in some ways, it's more of a selfish exercise. It's more about what I can make, um, or it can be at least. I don't. Everybody's like that. Uh, so the idea was to maybe go in and do something where people that have problems, we help them to get back on their feet. So, so our motto: <laughs> we met clients. It's quite a funny one, you know. Um, uh, you know, we're the uh, Robin Hoods of the landlord. So we came, we came up with all these mottos, like we're the Robin Hoods of la- landlords. The type of work we do is fact stranger than fiction. Um, we make the impossible possible. Uh, all these sort of quirky, funny comments, which uh, really are actually true. Because I have actually done work or saved clients from losing their properties literally within the minute, five minutes of them losing everything. Wow. Sometimes it's actually like really, like really, really surreal. So surreal that if I wrote a book on it, you wouldn't even believe that the book is true. Uh, as a quick example, I had a client actually in, uh, in September last year, not too long ago now. Um, he'd been struggling with his properties, like a, let's say two million pound portfolio. Um, and he's about to lose it. So we actually went to save it about three times and managed to get him some finance. But over COVID, he didn't pay any of his pay, any of his payments at all on a bridge for, for about two years, uh, on this portfolio. And literally, um, he didn't, well, he didn't, he didn't even tell me that uh, by the end of September, uh, there is the basically he would be evicted from those properties. Right. Literally, they'll be gone like that. So I actually, I have like very good intuition. I don't know, maybe uh, I, I sort of, I don't, I'm quite unconventional. I'm like not the normal business guy. I actually am very sort of uh, uh, run with my spirit, don't run with my thinking or brain head. I'm not uh, I'm very much sort of, I think it's called left brain actually. Um, so I had an intuition that uh, his property needs to be sold about six weeks before the, the deadline. And he, 
he came in to see me and I said, look, we need to sell your property. Let's do this, do this, that. And, uh, but we need to get it done quickly. But he didn't even tell me, actually, he lied to me that he actually had this problem because he's far too embarrassed to tell me because I'd actually had uh, so, I saved him for about four years running or multiple times. And uh, each time he hadn't really fully followed the instructions of what he needed to do. He was actually reluctant to sell his assets. So at uh, the right time, I told him he needs to come and sell his assets. And uh, the funniest part of all of this is, you won't even believe this one, is that uh, his one of the one of the one of the main assets that he was trying to sell, he was trying to sell it for four hundred forty thousand. And what happened is, they didn't sell for four hundred forty because of the lockdown, uh, COVID. Uh, the gentleman that was buying it decided to pull out, so he was left in limbo. Otherwise. You know, wouldn't have such a big problem, this one particular property. Um, but I went in, and uh, I'm going to be careful what I tell you here because uh, it's, some of it's actually uh, my my strategy, which is a little bit, keep it a bit low-key, but I'm happy to somewhat share it here. Uh, I actually went up to the local agents. I said, that's pricing correctly. You know, that it needs to be priced up at 600 I said, really? They said, no, we're going to price, we can price it at 500. I said, no, no, you're going to price it at 600. They said, what? Um, I said, yeah, 600. And they said, why? I said, it doesn't really matter. I'm actually working with a client. I'm his consultant. Either you put it up or we don't deal with you. So you need to put it up at 600. Now, that's actually quite a weird statement if you think about it. How can I tell a state agent what to do? But that's their locality, that's their area, they know the prices, they know the people, they know the demand. Um, and guess how much the property got sold for? Well, so it fell through at 440. I don't know. I can't imagine it never sold for higher, did it? Uh, I got it sold for 566. Wow. Now, so there is a little bit of like a non-logical approach to what I do. And uh, it works. Because I work with my intuition and I, I don't necessarily work with logic. Um, also recently, I mean, uh, another example is, you know, we've been doing a lot of work on a prop tech project and, uh, we've been spending a lot of m money on actually getting the tech ready and sending money abroad to software developers, et cetera, et cetera. So I said to my company, the other directors and the team, I said, uh, uh, is there a reason we're not getting an R&D grant? So they went into the R&D grant sort of documentation and read through all of it. And they said, oh, it's not possible. It's not, it can't, can't be done. Uh, I said, I'm pretty sure it can be done. You know that because my intuition is usually pretty good. Cause I, I, I've read it and I've spoken to people about it already. I've done my research. Uh, they said, oh, well, we don't want to touch it because I think you'll be wasting your time. And, uh, do you know what happened on Monday this week? <laughs> you got a grant. <laughs> oh, you got a, one agreed. <laughs> I got uh, £75,000 land in my bank account. Wow. Now, is that uh, luck because it's lucky? Is it intuition or is it plain hard work? Now, this this is even this gets even a bit spookier for you. Can, what happened is in order to get the report of the R&D, it's very technical and it's got to be an innovation and really got to know what you're doing. So I've never done one of those before. Yes. And 
Ours is about a marketplace and property that would be a bit like Uber or Airbnb to use social media to actually make our uh, business unique and innovation with a particular type of software using et cetera, et cetera. Cut a long story short, what happened is uh, I decided to take two, stay in the hotel, stay overnight for two nights, don't do anything else, no distractions, and just get this report done because I knew there's a lot of money there. I mean, two, for two days, three, two or three nights, staying there and just knocking this report out, it's probably worth it, isn't it? So I just sat there in the hotel all night, one night till about four or five o'clock until I, I, and I did about, you know, I did, I got about 20% of the work done. Next night I was there again. And then, then another coincidence happened. And this is, I don't know, what do you call it? Luck or coincidence? You tell me, right? The leading expert from Silicon Valley was an expert in actually advising Uber and, um, Airbnb and some of the top marketplaces in the world in terms of how to structure their strategy, deliver it, and actually get the technical software up and running uh, and actually manage and oversee the whole marketplace delivery process, literally came and sat opposite me and he said, oh, what are you working on? Never. Exactly. I was lost for words as well. Um, so his name is Russell. He said, all right, what are you working on? I told him. I told him what I'm trying to do. So to be honest, the report I did, about 90% of it was done based upon me just having somebody there to give me some confidence to know that whatever I was writing actually makes sense because uh, I'd actually did all of it, but I, I was just lacking confidence to actually get it done. Do you know, like you've got like uh, 20 pieces of jigsaw there, but you're reluctant to put the jigsaw together because you're just so nervous about uh, uh, about having the confidence to get it right. It was like that sort of moment. Also, jigsaw is a slightly different thing. So he, he literally, so what I got out of him was more about how we should actually roll it out as opposed to sort of ticking the boxes of the R&D. So I picked up all that knowledge. I took notes of it. So I know how to smash it in terms of uh, rolling out probably the, the best prop tech marketplace. Uh, that is a unique concept better than any based upon his advice and doing it with the right methodology. How's, how's that for a, how's that as a story? Synchronicity, amazing. And I'm particularly interested as well because when, nearly 10 years ago, I, I had some crazy ideas to do kind of a, they used to call them peer-to-peer marketplaces. And I researched, I even went to San Francisco, met a company called uh, Near Me who, who helped you set up your, your own peer-to-peer marketplace. And this is years ago and I never did it in the end. But it sounds like he, the guy who you met, was like the, the current version of, of that. So, yeah, absolutely amazing. And the power of what you can do to in peer-to-peer marketplaces is amazing. And if you've, yeah, good, good luck. Watch this space for what, what, what happens. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know this guy, but I've seen him around this hotel. Cause sometimes I stay in this hotel just because it's convenient near work sometimes just to, uh, uh, you know, meet deadlines next day and getting up, whatever. And then I've seen him around over, over the lockdown a couple of times. I never really talked to him properly. So it just so happens he just sat down and I told him. And then he spent literally two hours of his time. But I, re- I realized how important this is. I literally he's getting like, uh, you know, five grand's worth per hour type of advice from somebody who's the top guy. And also, I probably saved myself probably a couple of hundred thousand pounds on development costs and uh, and actually, you know, u- using the wrong methodology. Yeah. 
I've actually got that knowledge in my head now because I remember his conversation. I've actually, whatever notes I took, I actually remember all of them. Yeah, brilliant. And you've mentioned a couple of times that your intuition is pretty good and I've just signed up on this year-long course to start trying to connect to my intuition because I re- I'd never even given it a second chance. Uh, I just decided my mind was too busy for intuition. It wasn't for me, which is probably not the best approach. So I'm all about starting to be a bit more intuitive. But have you any... Uh, to some extent, it's a natural thing, I imagine. Um, but, you know, any tips you could give for people who want to maybe try and get a bit more in touch with the intuition? Okay, I'm going to teach everybody out there a quick technique to tap into their intuition. Uh, this is actually on the fly. It's not been planned before. So uh, just get ready, everybody out there. You ready? Thank you. Yep. <laughs> they're all saying yes, they're ready. Okay, so what you do is just take a deep breath. Let's say just a bit of meditation for, let's say, four or five minutes. Just I'm giving you an example of how it can be done. So imagine you did the breathing for four or five minutes. That will happen is that that sort of centers you and then takes you out of your logical brain and takes you into your intuitive brain. Now, your intuit- intuition is actually about 100 times stronger than your logical brain. So is the intuition, for example, the way to pinpoint it is, let's just say, you're walking down a dark alley, and but you can feel danger from the other side and all of a sudden something happens or you know you've got a dog or something barking at you that's actually then you've got to run off or something's going to happen and you your instinct tell you not to be there or it's the type of instinct well i'm just trying to confirm that instincts do exist which is you're walking and you can feel somebody's behind you uh, and that uh, they may be a danger to you or uh, or maybe even you might even uh, Sometimes you're actually walking down the street and from a distance, about 20, 30 people, you might see somebody, your intuition tells you there's somebody there that you're going to look at and then you know them somehow and you look there and they are there somehow. Wow. A lot of people have, so these sort of things happen. So that's intuition. So the exercise is as follows. Um, the thing is, I didn't realize I actually did this exercise. I do it daily. And, uh, and the, in fact, it sort of keeps my intuition clearer and stronger. So uh, I'll, st- I'll actually stop all that suspense now and declare it to you. <laughs> so uh, w- what I do is, I, and in fact, I didn't re- like I said, I didn't realize I did this exercise. So it's quite funny. Um, so as I go around my day-to-day business, going to the shop, having some food, every single person I meet with, I engage with them. Right. Now, engaging, one engagement is just engaging, like, hi, how you doing? Uh, thank you for the coffee. That's just sort of goodbye. But I literally engage with them at a different level. I sort of meet with them and I sort of like literally connect with them as if they're family or something like that. That sort of level of connection. I say, hi, how you doing? What? Lovely to meet you. You know, like not American. This actually now sounds a bit contrived because I'm trying to <laughs> be what I would normally do, but I can't do that because it's not, it's unnatural. So I'm just naturally myself and say, look, Lovely to meet you, you know. Oh, wow, that's a, a nice, a nice hairstyle you've got. Oh, have some sort of observation so you notice something about somebody, yeah? Now, that's one part. And then if I don't know them, this is actually where the intuition comes in. I try to guess their age. Doesn't always work well with women, but I'm, I'm going to lots of, I catch a lot of cabs. So I'm forever guessing cab drivers, 
ages and their nationality just as a bit of like a fun for my intuition but but without yeah? what you, you try and guess it and then you ask them or you, you mean or so what i do is i talk to them yeah uh for a couple of minutes say how are you doing and then i try to guess straight away so without knowing too much about them so i say oh yeah so your name is um Ola Oladini, Ola okay. So you must be from the Yoruba tribe in uh, from Lagos in uh, Nigeria. And they said, oh, how do you know? And then I sort of say something funny to them in their language, like Fumilu or something, which means give me money. I sort of try to make them laugh. So half connected, yeah. Then I say to them, um, let me guess your age. They said, oh, what's, um, okay. and they said, I have a guess. They usually have masks on the Omicron and Delta. Um, so one particular time, I, just to give you an example, I guess some a driver's age, his age, I said, you're 42. He goes, no, no, I'm 41. So nearly there. Then I said, you got three kids. He goes, that's right. And I said, you got uh, two boys and uh, one girl. The girl's in the middle. He goes, that's right. And I said, uh, uh, boy is 18, daughter's 13, and the youngest boy is 8. He goes, that's right. So what's the chance that I'll get that right? That's actually practicing my intuition. And so I've, I have numerous coincidences like that. So people don't even really believe that I'm actually telling the truth. When I tell my kids this, they think, are oh, you lying or something? Or tell some friends, they go, oh, how can that be? That can't, that can't be true. But something just came to you that... that, that- help you to say that you know you weren't you didn't just come up with random numbers it must have been you know there's i'm guessing something just naturally helped you say those numbers without i'll tell you how it works or my understanding of it so other people can also benefit (laughs) is that uh we all actually know the answers and whether we choose to accept that we know the answers is a different matter so if you have complete faith, you've got to have 100% faith in what you're saying. So what I've done is I've trained myself not to actually think at all. I just actually just talk. Like, for example, I'm talking to you now. There's no thought pattern in terms of what I'm doing. I'm actually talking to you from my soul. There's no logic in what I'm thinking. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually, I don't have to do anything at all while I'm talking to you. Literally, there's no thought pattern in, and there's no brain power in any of this. This is actually pure talking to you from, the heart. I'm actually like talking to you from the heart. Now, if I can do that every single day of my life, how easy is my life going to be? Mm. That is so, yeah, that is very inspiring. Just, yeah, l- starting to listen to learn to talk from the heart. And then the thing is that if you've got that between me and you, right? Or, well, there's a lot of people listening. If there's, if you've got weirdnesses like, you know, you're, for example, if I'm greedy or I've got um, ego about something or I'm oversensitive or have anxiety about something, um, once you start tapping into your intuition, a lot of these things start going away because you're using your intuition. And then you also realize when you do do these things, when you're doing things out of fear, it's because uh, you're, you're letting your logical brain or your fear or your other things, all these weird stuff that goes in your head take over. So if you can just eradicate all of that and just really be really, really connect with people. So the amount of connections I've had in the last 10 days probably surpass any connections I've had in the last 54 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
So you've a, a good 10 days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when what's happening is the last 10 days, I've uh, done, so this is coming to, like, I don't know why it's working like that, but for the last 10 days, literally 10 days, yeah, 10 days, 10 days, I've literally gone with my gut on everything, but I've made some, like, really radical decisions and met some really radical people, and I've said some really radical benefits. And then I've also had some. Uh, uh, I had my I had my brain, my you know my logical brain come in and made me feel really really bad about them as well because they were, I went so strongly in my intuition that my logical brain went completely crazy and it said it like I went into like I felt like yesterday I was in uh, I think yesterday morning or the day before I was in uh, the day uh, the day before actually I was in bed for about three hours and I couldn't get up because. My brain was in shock about, you know, what, what, how come I've gone out there and done something so radical? It's not acceptable. And that, what if everything goes wrong? Because I made some massive decisions. But each of those decisions, I said, I'm going to go with my logic. And if they don't work, my intuition doesn't work, then flip it. I can't say the word, that word. Flip it. Because uh, I'm not allowing myself to actually be working at a logical level. I've actually got the power and the strength and intuition to actually work with uh, my own power. I can't really let my logical brain's power take over. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And when you're working like that, all the right, seriously, all the right people somehow, somehow start turning up. And the things, there's an explanation behind all these things over the last 10 days, which is, a lot more of a deeper story, um, which I can go into, but I only want to do that maybe in the next interview, uh, which be that, uh, because by that time, whatever's happened in the last 10 days, they would, would have actually manifested itself in the next two or three weeks. Okay. Well, it sounds like an and exciting then, journey. So yeah, like to hear more later, maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I'd be up for that. But the main point is whichever way things it goes is meant to be. So it was like, Everything goes the way I want, fine. If it doesn't go the way it was meant to be, but even then I have the confidence and the intuition to be able to keep my energy at such a level that a good vibration actually will allow things to sort of continue at a very positive vibe and that nothing can really be an obstacle unless you decide to make it one. That, that That's actually my thinking. And I'm thinking, why... Why am I doing this? Well, we've hardly got started with Lucky. There'll be plenty more from him next week. But here's his first top 10 hits of inspiration. One, get inspired by putting your dance moves on TikTok. Two, get inspired by the fact that lovely, loving and supportive parents are around there for some of us. Three, get inspired by how Lucky bounced back after major calamities in several areas of his life. Four, get inspired by helping people getting back on their feet. How Lucky has helped people who are moments from losing everything in their business to save it. Five, get inspired by getting in touch with your intuition. Six, get inspired by taking yourself away to a hotel for a couple of nights to finish a project that's important to you. Seven, Engage with everybody you meet at a deeper level. Maybe even as though they're family. 8. Get inspired by having faith that many of the answers are already inside us. 9. 
maybe see that things are meant to happen just the way they happen. Could be the case. 10. Even if things haven't gone the way you had planned, get inspired by having confidence and intuition that can help you stay at a higher vibration. So things can continue on a positive vibe. Nothing has to be an obstacle unless you make it one. Thanks so much for today and thanks to Ben Sound for the music.